Hey, great to have you here. My name is Pastor Brad, Senior Pastor here at First Baptist Church. And if you have a bulletin cover or an outline, you see that we are in a new series called Partner With Us. And uh, in this series, we're going to be exploring what it means to be committed to the greatest movement that has ever been established in this world, what Jesus Christ has done and is doing through the local church. And uh, so what we're going to be exploring in this series is what God expects that local church to look like. And he expects it to be worshiping like we just worshiped right now. He expects us to be active and engaged and alive. And what you're going to experience is that it doesn't follow what the culture says it is. It doesn't follow um, uh, a cultural mentality of like a country club type of experience. But we're going to look through the Bible and say, okay, what is the church supposed to look like through a biblical lens? In fact, our staff and our uh, Dakota board have been going through a, um, uh, a book, and it's called I'm a Church Member, and it's kind of redesigning, reconfiguring what our mindset and our ideas are about church membership. And so let me read to you just a little bit of the introduction to this book. I think it's a great way to kind of begin the series that we're going to be stepping into. Here's what it says. It says, Michael and Liam, this is entitled, A Tale of Two Church Members. It says, Michael and Liam began meeting for Monday morning breakfast at 6 o'clock over five months ago. They originally thought it would be a one-time event. They met in a couple's Bible study group in their church, and for many different reasons, they hit it off and have become fast friends. When Michael originally invited Liam to meet him for breakfast on a Monday morning several months ago, Liam readily agreed. The two men enjoyed their time together so much that the one-time event became a weekly event. It was now rare for the two friends not to be meeting on Monday morning. Early in the friendship, their conversation focused on sports, family, and politics. They had much in common. Michael was 41, Liam was 39, they each had three kids, they were both college football fanatics. Each of their teams was in the same football conference, but they were pretty fierce rivals as well. The guys thoroughly enjoyed trash-talking the other teams in a friendly spirit. But on this particular Monday morning, the conversation turned serious. Michael and his wife had noticed some changes in the demeanor of Liam in their Bible study group. He no longer seemed as interested in studying and discussing the Bible as he did about talking about the church. And his comments were often critical about the congregation where the two families both had their membership. Still, Michael was caught off guard on this particular Monday morning. Liam didn't take long to get to the point. Michael, he said, Lana and I have decided to leave the church. The pause seemed to last minutes. Neither of the men seemed to know who would speak next. Michael took the initiative and spoke softly and deliberately. You want to tell me what this is about? Michael inquired. He honestly didn't know if Liam wanted to say anything more. His friend friend seemed resolute. Nevertheless, Liam began to explain his feelings and his decision. Lana and I went to church to learn deep truths about the Bible, Liam offered. But Pastor Robert is just not feeding us. We're not getting anything out of his messages. Sitting in the service on Sunday morning is just a waste of our time. Michael didn't respond. He could tell Liam had more to say. 
There are several great people in the church, Liam continued. You and Karen are the best. There are a few others like you. And then he paused, and his facial expression became even more serious. But honestly, Mike, Michael, our church is full of hypocrites. Did you hear Jim at the kids' basketball game? He embarrassed me the way he was screaming at the referees. What kind of testimony is that for a Christian? And of course, everyone knows now about Neil. He was supposed to be a, t a pillar of the church. And we find out he's been cheating on his wife for over a year. What kind of church is that with those kinds of people? Liam was angry but controlled as he continued to vent. Look, Pastor Robert acts like he cares for us, but I'm not so sure he does. I told him that Lana's dad was in the hospital for hernia surgery, and he never even visited him. Michael knew that Lana's father was not a church member, but he lived 50 miles away. He also knew that Pastor Robert called him and prayed with him. But he also knew that any rebuttal would not be appreciated at this moment. So Michael held his tongue. Now it seemed that Liam's mild rant was winding down. Liam seemed exhausted, ready to bring the conversation to a close. He did, however, offer a few pointed comments and two insightful questions. He said, Michael, Liam, I be, uh, Liam began softly, I really like you and Karen and the kids. You're a class act. But after he paused briefly, he said, but you seem enthused about the church. You keep serving and contributing. Don't take me wrong, but I wonder at times if you're blind to all the problems at the church. Then Liam offered a closing that really spoke more than he realized. We are really two different types of church members, he stated. Why is that? Why do we have such different perspectives? And then he goes on to talk about how across America, out, out of this story, across America, the author says that the statistics show that the church is on a downward decline, that culturally the church has been losing ground with influence and attendance as well. And he says we can blame that on secular culture, and we often do. We can blame it on godless politics in our nation. We often do that as well. We can even blame it on the churches, we can even blame it on the churches, the hypocritical members and the uncaring pastors. And lots of Christians are doing that as well. But I'm proposing, says the author, that we who are church members need to look in the mirror. I'm struggling. I, I'm suggesting that congregations across America are weak because of us church members having lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We join our churches expecting them to serve us, to feed us, to care for us. We don't like the hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisies. God did not give us local churches to become country clubs where membership means we have privileges and perks. He placed us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for others, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases to die for the sake of the gospel. Many churches are weak because we have members who have turned the meaning of membership upside down. It's time to get it right. It's time to be a church member as God intended it. It's time to give instead of being entitled. It's about as silent in here as I've ever heard it in this worship center. And maybe this has stepped on a few toes. 
Maybe it will continue to. Let, let me, though, show you a kind of a different angle on this twist. Because I, I do feel like, as a whole, as a church across America, we have stepped much more into a country t- club type of mentality. And so let me show you kind of a silly way of looking at this mentality with a video that is not too far off. Take a look. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials. And we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay. Next week, we start John chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go 15 should be willing to go to 10. (laughs) You drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. (laughs) Now you're talking. Me, church, where it's all about you. Uh-huh, right? Are you wanting that kind of a church? Is that why you're clapping in the green, right? Because if you haven't said those things, you've thought them, haven't you, right? I mean, you think about the state of the local church, and it really kind of falls within this country club type of mentality. And country clubs are okay. They have their place, but it's not, it's not a biblical model of what joining a church should be. Our cultural model in this country of membership is much more about receiving than about giving. It's about being served instead of serving. It's about rights instead of responsibilities. It's about entitlements instead of sacrifices. That's what our culture says about joining something. That I should get, that when I pay my dues, and I hope and pray, First Baptist Church, that we never, ever, ever, ever would see the offering plates that go by as being dues that we are paying, and that then we have responsibilities, and we have, or we have privileges, we have rights and privileges after I pay my dues. That is not what that offering is. That offering is a gift that we bring joyfully to the Lord, and we give it to Him directly so that His work can go forth in this world. Amen? Amen. May we never see the offering as that, you know, the paying up my dues. These are my dues, and now I have privileges here in the church. So you say, okay, well, what is a biblical viewpoint of membership in the church? Really, I want to start calling it more of a partnership, of being partners in the gospel. That's why we entitled this Partner With Us. It's your part. You have made partner. Okay? You're not just an employee, but you are now a partner. You have ownership. You have a stake in it. 
We value your input. This is, this is your church. This is your, if, if you think about a company, when you make partner, it's your company now. You have part ownership in it. And I, and I want that kind of mentality to be what we believe and what we understand and what we know. And really, the Bible talks much more about that than a country club type of membership. In fact, if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because in Scripture, we see some messed up churches. And when we see a messed up church, we get a lot of great teaching because the writers correct some of the things that are going on in the churches. One of those churches was a church at Corinth. And um, this church had been really having a lot of cultural influence over it. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see a metaphor of what a church should be like. We see it's like a body, and we're going to read that here today. In chapter 14, Paul, who's the author, is telling us how to function within that body, how to function within that church. And then in 13, it's no coincidence that that's the love chapter. It's kind of put right in there. In other words, everything we do should be centralized with love. And so let me read the verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 12. It's up on the screen as well. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit you were uh, all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. You can tell there's a huge symbolism here of unity that he's trying to draw upon as well. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet, what First Baptist? One body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually, you are members of it. All right, let me jump into this. You have your outline, let's pile through this. Biblical partnership and membership on the back side. Biblical partnership and membership. Here's the biblical understanding. It means we are different but we still work together. We're different, but we still work together. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. With country club membership, you pay others to do the work for you. With church partnership or membership, everyone has a role or a function. 
That's why biblically it talks about there are hands, there are feet, there are ears, there are eyes. And by the way, it does not say anybody is an armpit, okay? Let's just get that understand, because they all stink, all right? All right? And you may say, well, well, somebody needs to be the armpit. Well, don't make it you, okay? Don't. And, and in fact, there are no Baptist belly buttons as well anywhere in Scripture, Okay, because there's not a lot of function for the belly button after you're born. I can't find a reason for it other than to capture lint, I guess, or something like that. I, I don't know. Okay, so that's not you. That's not you. Don't need to fulfill that responsibility. Be a hand. Be an eye. Be an ear. Be a foot. One. Uh, be a head if you need to be. If you're called to be a leader, biblically there are many parts, but we're all still work together. And we see that when one's not doing well, all the rest suffer. When the body's doing well, then everything is stronger. In fact, look at verse 26. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. As members of one body, we're called to work together. And as a partner in the body, we're also to be a source of unity. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that same kind of teaching that Paul gives. So obviously the church in Ephesus was struggling with some unity. And so it says this. In fact, would you read this with me? Read it off the screen. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. Listen. You have a responsibility as a church partner to be a source of unity. You are never called to be a divisive force. And that includes loving others unconditionally. You don't have to agree with everyone that you sit next to. You don't have to agree with everything we do here at First Baptist. You don't have to agree with the leaders. But you are never called to be a divisive force. It means, even though you don't have to agree with everyone all the time, it means that you are willing to sacrifice your own preferences to keep the unity in the body. Let, let me give you a for instance on this. A number of months ago, I was talking with one of our senior saints. And they were just reminiscing on the time that they had spent here at First Baptist and seen a number of changes take place. And they were reminiscing on the fact that we used to have a choir and choir robes. And she said, she was talking about the time that she first came in and saw that the choir wasn't wearing the choir robes. And she was struggling with it just a little bit. And then a while back, the, the, the choir robe was removed and the drums were kind of placed central into the, the worship center. And she said, I, I was struggling with that a little bit. But then when she was worshiping, she looked to the person on her right, who was her granddaughter, a preteen. She looked to the person on her left, who was a teenage uh, granddaughter as well and she said um, they're getting this and if it means that I don't have my preferences and it means that they're feeling more comfortable and they're worshiping as they feel the beat of the music as they hear the music playing and as it reaches them she said it's not about me Pastor Brad it's not about me now I will say this if this style of music isn't as much for you, we are blessed that we do have another opportunity to have an 8 o'clock service where we have hymns. It's a little toned down a little bit more. But as that older saint told me, she said, I wasn't 
reckoning with the loudness of it. I was having a hard time catching the beat of the drums. But you know what? It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. And I just want to challenge you on that. That we're called to that sense of unity in the body. We might not agree with everything, but we work together. Secondly, biblical understanding of partnership is everything we say and do is based on a biblical foundation of love. Based on that foundation of love. I've said this before. The love chapter, which is love is patient, love is kind, not envy, it's not boast. That was not written up to be read at a wedding. That was written up to be read at a business meeting, a church business meeting. That was written up to be read when people are squabbling about, you know, the music's this or the loudness is that or the church carpet's this or that. Remember the words? Love is patient, love is kind. Does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It goes on to say, it does not rejoice at wrongdoings. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If, if we would just have two of those characteristics that we would model for this community, we would have a revival breakout. That's what that was written for. It was written for our interactions within the church and then outside the church as well. And it is so stupid that some of the things we argue over in church. I mean, you've probably seen some of these. That, you know, I've read newspaper articles that talked about people you know, taking things out into the back alley after church. And you know, the carpet color, it should be this. You can't change it to that. No, the music needs to be like that. It can't be like that. You can't have that kind of a Christmas. You can't have a Christmas tree in church. Or, or which side? This is an interesting one. I think I've shared this before. Which side of the congregation the organ is on and the piano is on? You know, you, you know that? We, we don't have an organ here anymore. We have just a piano. But literally, church fights over the piano being moved to the other side of the platform. Do you know why the, tr the piano is over on this side of the platform traditionally? Because it's the way the lid opens up. And they didn't used to have microphones that would be mic'd into a piano. And so if you moved it to the other side, the lid would open up the other way and you wouldn't be able to hear it. So it opens up this way so the music comes out that way. If you disagree with that, show some love, all right? Show some charity in the midst of that. Wow. Everything we do should be based in love. In fact, let me, let me brag up the Crusaders class for just a bit. They're an interesting class that they've been around here since the 1950s on our campus. And uh, they meet right next door in the chapel. And um, if there's any class that I, as a young pastor, don't want to mess with, it's the Crusaders class, all right? All right? And, um, uh, but, but we said, you know what? As a staff, we have thought long and hard. We prayed long and hard. Where can we go to have more of a feeling of prayer in our church? After the services, before the services. And so we knew we were doing a prayer um, a series uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And we started a six-week series, and we're going through it. And um, we thought, you know what? Could we have a prayer chapel for those six weeks? And could we make it close enough that people would just step right over? And so we approached the Crusaders class. We said, would you mind if we turned this class into a prayer chapel and if we moved you to another room for just those six weeks? And we approached the Crusaders class and said, would you do that? You know what they said? 
absolutely not. We will not do that. No, I'm joking. They didn't say that. They didn't say that. You know what they said? They said, sure. Even though we've been around here for a long time, and even though our members have a tough time getting to walk down the walkway, if you find us some rides on the golf courts, we will be more than happy to go down and do that for those six weeks. And even though we have a piano in there, we like to play, we like to sing, we like to learn and such, and even though the room temperature is right, we have to have a microphone because we can't hear real well, if you help us, we'll do that. We said yes. And then, you know, the last week that they met together, I got in with them and I said, "Um, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for giving up some of your preferences to allow us to have that prayer chapel here for those six weeks. You, you set the tone. That it's not an ownership, you know, kind of like this is mine, this is mine. But we're partners together. And we understand when we give and take and it's not just about my preferences. Last biblical metaphor or showing a teaching on membership partnership and what it looks like. Church partnership is functioning partnership. Church partnership is functioning partnership. And functioning is the key word there. Look what it says in verses 17 and 18. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You are a body part. Be that body part. Or said another way, You are a part of the body. So be a part, function as a part of the body. In fact, let me ask you this. Do you know how you maintain your country club membership? You just pay your dues, right? Do you know how you maintain your church membership? Man, you give everything. You you, you give of your time. You give of your treasure. You give of your talents. You serve. You, you, you give generously. You're, you're active in growing. And, and, and if you have a problem with those guidelines, those are not First Baptist guidelines. Those are biblical guidelines. That's what the Bible says that we're supposed to be. True biblical partner of First Baptist, you should be active and you should be functioning. What does that look like? Let me just go through the no grow serve share. If you just want a, a, a crash course on what we expect around here at First Baptist, the no. We want you to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we want you to understand him more deeply in worship. And that's why we say, come on a regular basis. Don't just roll over on Sunday morning and say, ah, church doesn't need me. I don't need to be in worship, or I can even watch it online. Ha, got some of you watching it online right now, right? Come on in. You need to be here. You need to be in worship and be active in worship. Not just looking around or not thinking about what you're going to eat afterwards, but be truly engaging in what is being sung and the leading of the Spirit to be worshiping God. And be here on time. Oh, boy. Right? In fact, let me ask you. Let me see if you know. Here's a question. Okay. First Baptist. When do we have our services? Give me the times. They're at 8 o'clock. Wait, wait. 945? Uh Uh-uh. 9.30. 9.30. When, when's the middle service? It's at 9. All right. And then our last one's at? All right. All right. Glad you know that. Okay. Wouldn't it be fun to give out tardy slips coming in? Like, right? <laughs> Write that out like, hey, hey, you're late. Right? Maybe coming. Maybe coming. All right. That's the no. Be here. Be ready. Be active. Be engaged. Be in worship grow, 
get connected to some sort of a Bible study group. Get connected to our campaign that we're going to have here in the fall time, the all-in church-wide series, uh, walk, through the Old uh, walk Through the New Testament. We finished the Old Testament last year. We're going to the New Testament. Get connected to a Sunday school class or a Winston elective. Grow, grow, grow in your faith. Engage God's word. Be in prayer. Serve. What do we mean by serve? Be a minister of God's... Um, uh, uh, um, word to other people. Bless them. And if you say, you know, I, how do you join into a ministry? Glad you asked. Two weeks from today, we have ministries that we're going to be advertising. They'll be all in the Welcome Center. They'll be all along the walkway. You can sign up for some 50 different ministries we have here at First Baptist. Just jump in. Find a place where you can serve. And then share. Share God's word. Share your love. Share your love for God to share it with other people. And also share your talents as well. Share your, your, that's the serving. Share your treasure as well. You know, I could not stand up here and preach God's word on a regular basis without you giving as you do. I know. The only reason I'm able to be here, the only reason we're able to have these lights and these projectors, these sound, the only reason we're able to have this equipment, the only reason we're able to have air conditioning in this room is because you give, First Baptist, and you give sacrificially. The only reason missionaries are able to be on the mission field overseas, the only reason that we're able to reach and partner with local ministries here in the city of Stockton as well is because you give. In fact, we could not be doing even what we're doing with negotiating now with Scottish Rite to possibly buy that property over there. And we don't have new information on that. We're still in the process of submitting a bid, and there are others who are wanting to do that as well. I will let you know as soon as we know more, we're in a place of just prayer, 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 prayer. But we couldn't even be talking to them about that if so many of you hadn't stepped up and said, yeah, I'll give to the 2020 campaign. I'll give so that we can be free to look forward. So many of you have been doing that, and it's why we can even negotiate and, and talk about purchasing and acquiring more property. It's because you share. And so know, grow, serve, share. If you just follow those things, that will make you an active, functioning partner here at First Baptist Church. The concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. It does not exist. It would be like an organ without a body. It would be like if I took my spleen, wherever that spleen is, I have no idea where my spleen is, but it's somewhere in there. If I pulled that thing out and put it here on this chair, it could not function. It, it, it's like a sheep without a flock. It's like a, a, um, a soldier without a platoon. You don't do that. You get connected. It's like a baseball player without a team. I mean, if you today left here and said, you know, I like to pitch, and so I'm just going to go pitch for the San Francisco Giants. I'm just going to go down there and do that. I'm going to walk on the field, which, by the way, this year is not a good year to do that for the Giants, so maybe do it for the Dodgers, okay? If, if that's right, all right? Just, I, I'm just saying, okay? Well, the, the Giants might take you this year, actually. Um, uh, but you cannot just walk onto the field and say, I'm just going to pitch. No, you have to be a part of a team. You have to join in with a team, and biblically... That's the understanding in Scripture, that you're not just some lone ranger type of Christian out there. You need to be a part of a body. You need to be connected to a body. Your prayer, as you pray before God and as you talk to yourself, and, uh, should never be, how can I, um, uh, 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 should I serve in a church? It's, it's never the question. It's how should I serve in my local church? 
how, God, do you want me to serve to make a difference? Not should I, but how. How. So you say, okay, Pastor Brad, what do you want me to do? Glad you asked. That's where the C word comes in. We are in a society where people do not commit. They do not commit. Membership is seen as, nah, I don't really want to be a part of it. I'll just come when I want to come, and I won't come when I want to come. I don't want to commit. Today I'm asking you to commit. Today I'm asking you to step up. And over these next few weeks, I'm going to keep asking you for that. The C word is commit to being a biblical, active partner here at First Baptist Church. And the first step for many of you is to formally join the church. It's to tie the knots. It's to make it official. Yes, I'm proposing to you, all right? Let's quit living together. Let's marry. Let's tie the knot. Let's make it official, all right? Do you want me to get down on my knee and propose? I can do that as well, I guess. What's coming is a membership dinner coming up on August 13th. And uh, Pastor Scott mentioned it to you just a little bit about that. It's called Discover First Baptist. And um, some of you right now, I think, probably think you're members here, and you're really not. You need to come through a class to understand what First Baptist is about. And I know there are dozens and dozens. In fact, there are many, many people here who have talked to me and said, you know what, I'm not a member. And I look at them, I say, you're not? They say, no, we've never done that. I said, come on. Come on, be a part of this. So it's a dinner in the afternoon, 3.30 to 6.30. Um, I invite you to come be a part of that and to make it official. To understand. And even if you just want to explore, even if you say, you know what, I'm not sure yet. Let's just find out what, what it's about. Then come be a part of it. Now, if you don't know you're a member here at the church, we have some roll sheets out at the Next Step Center. And I just told them, print off three copies of all the members here at the church. And if you'd like to go to see, see if your name's on that list. And if it is, great, you're an official member. But if it's not, it's because you haven't made it official. I was sharing this with my men's group on Tuesday morning. If you'd like to come to um, UJ's on Tuesday morning, um, we have a group of guys who meet there. And um, five of them, five of the guys that we've spent life together over the last four years, and many of them have been there for decades doing that breakfast. Five of them were not members of our church. In fact, I was sitting right beside one, and I told him what I was going to share there. He's like, well, I'm a member. And I said, you know what, can I just check? And so I whipped out my phone. I'm like, I got a little app here that shows some of the membership here at the church. Let's just type your name in here. was not on there. He said, it's not? I said, no, you haven't formalized it. We're living together. Let's not. Come on. Let's get married here. He said, okay, I'll be there. And he looked across the way and he said, can you check and see if my good friend over there is? I said, let's do it. Okay. We typed it into the little app. There it was. Friend was not a member either. His friend is 90 years old. 90. And so after the breakfast, we got over to him and said, hey, you know you're not a member around here at First Baptist? He said, what? I said, you're not. And the friend said, I'm going to the class. I'll bring you. Ninety-year-old said, well, you're making it awfully difficult for me not to. He said, yes. So come. Come. And I'm asking that of you as well. If you're not informed, remember, jump in. And this is not just so that we can put another notch. Hey, great, we got more members. It's not even, you know, just so that you can come through a class. It's so that you can learn biblically what it means to be a member, an active, functioning member of God's local church. And if this is not your church, find one. 
Don't church hop. Find one, get tied in, get married. In fact, that's the biblical analogy of of the the church, the bride of Christ, of God being the groom, and we the bride given in in marriage. Join. The time is up. I had more to cover. I'm not going to. Here's the step. Here's the step. Today, if you would just be praying about it, go out to the Next Step Center, see if you're not a formal member. There's a sheet out there you can sign up on. You can go online. You can call us, you know, if you don't have your calendar yet to look into this. But I am wanting you to step it up, to say, yes, I want to be a part of the church. And if if you are a part of the church, then look in the mirror and ask the question, am I biblical? Am I functioning? Am I active? Because that's the only way that you're supposed to be a part of the body. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you for an opportunity to teach your word, to share what it means to be a part of the church, to be a part of your body. I pray we will be a committed group of people. God, more than just any sort of formal membership, that we would be functioning and active and alive in serving you and loving you and sharing your truth around this world. So even now, God, as we sing one more worship song. I I pray that it's not just words that are up on a screen, but God, that it will be truly from our hearts. And the words that we sing now, the melody that comes, the songs and the tune, Lord, they will be um, worshipful in a way that when we leave this place here today, we will go into the community and people will know we are different. That we are alive because we're connected to your body. We are alive because you give us life. Lord, we don't want to be separated. We want to be together in unity. And so even now, would you hear us in worship? Would you hear us in praise? God, we're here because we love you. You've called us to a greater commitment. May we do that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.